Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Chris Lance. Chris is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization which provides the home of the Sourcing Hero. Chris is also my most regular guest. He joins me here once a month so we can talk about current events and figure out what they mean to procurement and sourcing professionals. So hi, Chris. Welcome back to the Sourcing Hero. Hey, Kelly. Happy to be here. So you and I are having this conversation mid-December, but this is actually going to air just a few days before Christmas. So of all the questions I'm going to ask you today, I think these are the two big ones. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Question number one, were you good this year? And question number two, if you were, are you asking for anything special? Okay. Those are tough ones. So- <laughs> So were I, was I good this year? It probably depends. Are, are you asking my parents, my wife, my kids? Like, I, oh, I this is shaping up to be its own episode. It's, Can I have an, them on? Might might be another <laughs> scandal, but um, I don't know. If you if you have to start your letter to Santa with "Dear Santa," I can explain. I yeah, don't know. It's probably so not a good sorry. sign. <laughs> uh, all joking aside, though, I you know I think it's been a good year. I, I feel blessed for sure, and. You know, with that, I, I didn't really ask for anything special, especially since um, Thanksgiving. I've been trying to really just focus on gratitude. Um, you know, if you really wanted to press me for something, you know, I could ask for maybe three months of no utility bills or <laughs> <laughs> maybe a Costco gi- uh, gift card or something. But now, all jokes aside, really just just focusing on gratitude. See, that's a sign of maturity. I actually heard somebody share something similar the other day. Somebody said, oh, what are you hoping for this holiday season? And they said, lots of invitations to go do things and then for all of them to be canceled at the last minute so I don't have to go. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Once you become a grown-up, there's nothing like a surprise evening at home when you thought you were going to have to go out and battle traffic or handle the cold. Oh, so best. we're it's yeah. all a matter of perspective. Agreed. Agreed. Now, as we wrap this year, you and I, we've been through a lot of different topics and we're both big time news junkies. Mm -hmm. So I think if there's any one topic that maybe never dominated the headlines all year, but was absolutely always in the second position, I would say it's China. Mm -hmm. And the most recent thing we've started to see is what's being referred to as the A4 revolution. So A4 is the dimension of basically like the UK or European uh, printer paper. Um, And because of freedom of speech issues, we're seeing wide-ranging protests in Shanghai, Beijing, Xinjiang, which is where the Uyghurs live. Um, Mm -hmm. And and there was a horribly tragic fire there stemming from some of their their COVID restrictions. Mm. Um, let me get your initial thoughts. You know, we're, we're reflecting back, we're thinking big picture perspective. How would you look at the news headlines that are breaking? And then certainly some of the freedoms that we enjoy here 
in the West, many of which we need to conduct business. Mm. What's your general reaction to what the world is watching happening? So, so I think first of all, like, I mean, how how tragic, right? Um, I know. When you were bringing up the fire in, in a quarantine building, I mean, intentionally locked into a room, and it just so happens to catch on fire. I mean, I, it's the stuff that you know nightmares are fueled by. Um, <clears throat> what I what I would say is, you no, know, to your point on you know the A four revolution, I think, I think a lot of this actually kind of started around j- j- just the lockdowns and be- the freedom of being able to just walk yes. outside and. And what we've actually seen in real time, and it's just been, I don't want to say incredible or amazing, but so interesting to watch is that this evolved into just, it's around freedom in general. And I think it's becoming less and less about the reason why, or what we've been told the reason is why. And I think with that fire, I think it really, pun intended, caught fire, right? But Mm. I think it's quite literally the citizens saying, okay, okay, enough, uh, enough. And And it's less about, again, just the lockdowns or things of that nature. Cause I think it was even just a couple months ago, right? There were a lot of bank runs and people were going to the bank and taking out money and the government, they called in tanks. Um, So I think at its core, this is, it's less about one specific type of freedom and it's just about freedom in general. What, what I think is just this, I think is incredible is that China is typically very, very good about what information does or does not come out of that country. And so the fact that with a little bit of digging, you can see so much, uh, it's, re- it's really impressive. Um, and to me, what that indicates is that the masses um, are truly done. Um, but it also then makes me, you know, put in on my, my, con- my conspiracy hat. It's like, well, what are we not seeing, right? Yes. What's not making it out? Because the type of stuff that we're seeing is just, it's, a- it's absolutely incredible. So... No, it definitely is. And to your point about China's ability to control information, some of our best sources of information have actually been the American or Western companies Mm -hmm. that are doing business there. Mm -hmm. You you talked about some of the COVID policies, and I think it wasn't, gee, last week or the week before, we know that someone from Apple said, gee, guys, you know, this is really starting to disrupt production. Maybe mm. could we just edge off this zero COVID thing a little bit? Let stuff settle down so these factories can operate. And so we're starting to get information, not just about how impactful these protests and shutdowns and disruptions have become, but also the impact that they're having on companies trying to do business there. It sounds like an enormous challenge. Mm. And I, I think so. With Within... Within reason, like you gave an incredible example right there, but I'd also think it's it's not a good thing. But I think in the past this would have even been a bigger deal. Uh, now, I, you know, I think we joked on the on a previous podcast, like what's on my do not say list. It's like why do I even have one of those, right? But you know, freedom of speech it's key to being able to do business. You know, that's that's why we have NDAs <laughs> so you can speak freely. Absolutely. And so, and so I think that there will be some sort of ramifications or impact, whether probably less directly, but more indirectly, just just from things like that, for sure. Yeah. No, a lot of this is through the media, through the press, through diplomatic mm-hmm. channels that we hear things. Um, you and I had originally anticipated having this conversation in November. And at the time, we were watching the G20 summit take place, where all of these world leaders are literally face to face. You know, we've even in the business world, we've gotten so accustomed to all the things we can do virtually, we can have Zoom meetings and virtual conferences and all that. But in 
geopolitical and diplomacy conversations, those face-to-face moments can be real flashpoints. Mm-hmm. So now that we have the G20 in our rearview mirror, any observations or or takeaways from that quote-unquote IRL in real life moment with these world leaders? Uh, so so before I hit on on the, that G20 summit, I don't I don't know if I really answered your, your kind of your last question too about you know come and say someone saying hey can we kind of ease up um, you know on maybe their 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 policy right the, like the, the zero COVID policy. Um, this is maybe I'll just say just my opinion. Sure. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens because I don't I don't know that this was ever really about COVID, right? I mean, when when all the other nations started saying, "Okay, I think we're safe. I think we're good," and they they actually pressed in even harder, it that, it just didn't really make sense. And so, I for me, it's kind of like, are we witnessing ec- economic warfare? Um, you know, because being in the position they are to really shut down full sections of their country and knowing how much they manufacture and how much the rest of the globe depends on that, you know, I mean, why, why else would you be doing it in, in all reality? And so some, you know, that I've had conversations with have said, well, but that would hurt them too. Why, why would they do that? And so my argument back has always been, well, it's an acquisition costs. Yeah. I mean, we see that they're stockpiling gold. We we see them working with BRICS nations to form their own new reserve currency. Um, and so it, that, you know, a new reserve currency isn't going to just be ushered in without issue. So again, this is just my opinion, but I really don't think they're going to concede on this despite, you know, the people pushing back. Um, so now you fast forward, you know, to that summit. I I, I think um, from, what I, from what I understood, I guess my takeaway from it was it seemed like a lot of more of the same, right? And to your point, in-person brings a whole dramatically different dynamic to any conversation, but I don't know what was really going to be solved over the course of one three-hour meeting. And so what a lot's been said, you know, especially over the last two years, there's been tremendous amounts of posturing. And so I think that the reality is, is that both countries know how important Taiwan is, especially with this digital and electric vehicle and, you know, heading down that path. I mean, it's, it's the end all be all, I would say, you know, for, for both of these nations is that how they're viewing it at least. Um, So my takeaway though, is that more the same, I guess, let me elaborate further, more of the same being that China comes back and says, well, the U.S. says they're going to do this, 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 and this. And the U.S. says, well, China says they're not going to do this, 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 and this. And then none of those truly align. So I don't know. I'm going to keep watching because it's, you know, while while there's a lot of things just going on in the news, this is definitely one to keep an eye on when you start talking about what's the impact of, of these relations, you know? No, it absolutely is. And and I think one of the key points that you just made really comes down to the word Taiwan. Mm. You know, when you think about, especially in procurement, although I think throughout all business, everything's digital, right? We talk about digital this and digital transformation and digital investment and and none of that digital anything is possible without a healthy semiconductor industry. And Taiwan really is the crossroads for the world from a semiconductor standpoint. Um, you know, they're the source. It's actually really interesting. They have, it's some, I think it's 22%. They have 22% of global semiconductor capacity. But with that 22%, they are responsible for 63% of actual global output. 
So they're incredibly efficient. They're incredibly streamlined. It's all focused around that production. And 53% of it comes from one company, TSMC or Taiwan Semi. So if China decides to make a move on Taiwan, for me, I say, okay, let's look and see what has happened in Hong Kong. How is it working out for them? Uh, Depending on your point of view, I, for me, you know, you shared your opinion for me, Kelly, I would say not awesome. Um, So it's, it's a very real concern, both for the people of Taiwan on a, a human level. And of course we're, you know, watching events in, in Hong Kong unfold, uh, what might this mean for Western supply chains if that source of semiconductors is disrupted? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, so what does it mean for the Western supply chains? It's the, the first question I would say, well, what does it mean for Taiwan themselves? Right. And so for me, it's like, be ready. I, I think China has said more than once, we will take Taiwan. And so despite the posturing, despite the conversations, right, it's, the very honest question is, is how far are you willing to go to remain independent? Um, and then I guess if you fast forward to, okay, so all of the consumers or the the usage of these, these um, semiconductors, I think, what does it mean in this day and age? I think it means everything. Um, I mean, it could, it would, it would mean catastrophic disruptions. I mean, if we were to think back on how many uh, auto manufacturers had cars just sitting on lots across the country because they were waiting on chips. Um, I think it would be it would be even worse than that because you know despite the outcome of whatever conflict or continued conversations happen, like there, it will be a direct correlation to all of the products, machinery. I mean, there's computers and everything. Um, so I, I mean, if I'm you know running a supply chain, like I have full autonomy over that supply chain, I'm despite how expensive or unrealistic as it may seem. Um, it would be wise to start considering at least like alternative sources if your current sources have ties to Taiwan. And as you just pointed out, they probably do. Yeah. Um, when when you're looking at that much output and that niche of a, of a need, like there's only a handful of, of entities who can actually fulfill those needs. So I, I think it means everything because um, again, there's computers in everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, and then as we saw with the cost of utilities, right? Then there's always that ripple effect of how that impacts um, logistics, how that impacts cell phone ability, and then communication. It's it's a very, very big deal. And I think that is why neither side, if you will, for lack of a better term, is willing to concede on this because they know you know, I forget which article I was reading. I assure you it was a reputable one though, but I (laughs) I was reading an article that said whoever owns the semiconductor industry pretty much can guarantee their country's success for the next 50 to 100 years. We're that we're going that digital. It's that critical. Um, so I think long-winded way of saying, I think it means everything to Western supply chains. Chris, usually I end my conversations by asking people about sourcing heroes and sourcing heroism. We always try to twist it up for you a little bit just because you've been on so many times. And so we try to tie it to the conversation, but still get back to the spirit of what's intended by that question. So here's what I would like to hear from you as we wrap not only this episode, but wrap 2022 on the Sourcing Hero podcast. We've talked about a lot of events and disruptions, many of which are half a world away. 
how can we ensure that we continue to feel a human or an empathetic connection to the people that are affected by these events, no matter how different and how far away they seem in terms of miles and time and culture? But what do you think is sort of the tie that binds in this case? Yeah. So I I think it's rather simple, right? I mean, so maybe that, maybe that comes because I'm in the U.S. If you're in the U.S., then you know that our country was founded on the blood that was shed to grant our freedoms. Um, and I think that individuals as a collective have and are willing to pay the ultimate price for freedom. And so if you look at these hardships, these protests, whether it whether it's in the eastern you know, part of the country, whether or the world, whether it's in Europe or the Netherlands, like I think it's what you're seeing is is people who are tied and to their convictions and, and sticking through them. And I think most of us we have a desire to do that. Um, I think most of us have experienced loss and hardship. I think most of us have dealt with the the lack of or the removal of autonomy at certain points in our lives. And I think that just about everybody listening, I would argue everybody listening in some capacity values freedom. So I think if you combine those all those things together and just all of the change that's going on, if you have just a dash of empathy, I, I think it has to tug at your heartstrings at what we're seeing and, and people truly sticking to their convictions and the power of people, the power of people to, to push through adversity, to push through um, change um, and to remain true to what they really believe in. Um, I think if you if you put yourselves in their shoes, it's it's just rather simple to make that connection. And this time of year, it really is the simple things that hold the greatest meaning. So I mm. think that's mm-hmm. that's an excellent thing for all of us to remember. You know, the the screaming message that you can hear from a piece of blank paper, right? It kind mm-hmm. of boils down to that. Yep. Uh, so on that note, Chris. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and of course, thank you every single month for coming back here to geek out on new stories with me. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so Merry Christmas to you as well, and cheers to a Happy New Year. And hopefully, we have um, less daunting but even more riveting topics to cover next year together. And that's the one thing we can promise. We have no idea what we'll be talking about, but we know we will be talking. Once a month, you'll be back with me. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but we have big number 100 coming up. So we have some stuff in the works for that. Chris, if people have enjoyed this conversation or any of the conversations that you and I have had, what is the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, my email is just chris at una. So K-R-I-S at una, U-N-A dot com. Or you can always just go to our website, una.com. And then the about us, I have a page. But as always too, LinkedIn, it's Chris with a K. Um, but then you can find me on LinkedIn and, and reach out there. Awesome, Chris. Well, we will see you in 2023. Sounds good. Let's make it a good one, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.